coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 21st of May, 2023. Shadows or Substance. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians, chapter 2. We're going to look at the passage that Mike read for us this morning. Apostle Paul is continuing on his um, dive into the false teachers that were at work in the church in Colossae and warning the true believers of the dangers of following those false teachers. And you go, well, you know, I just don't listen to them. I don't listen to false teachers. But it's interesting because what Apostle Paul talks about is something that's easy for any of us to fall into, and that is the idea of becoming the judge of somebody else's spirituality. And so we're going to look at what Apostle Paul has to say in these verses. And he begins uh, in verse 16 and 17. And he says, Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or in regard to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. And so, as we look at this passage, Apostle Paul, as he's writing to them, says, there's a lot of things going on that were true in the Old Testament even. Uh, festivals, there was sacrifices, there were lots of things, kinds of foods you could eat or not eat. All those things were there, but they were a shadow of looking forward to Christ. And he says, so which one should we go to? How many have a bulletin this morning? Have a bulletin? If you look at the picture on the front cover, now some of you already have heard this, so don't yell out anything. What, what are the black objects in that picture? Camels? Shadows. They're shadows. Those black objects are not camels. If you look just down at the feet of each one of those, you will see another object, and that is the genuine camel. It's an aerial shot, and the sun is coming in from the side, shining on the camel, and what you see, those black objects, are the shadows of the camel, and not the camel itself. <laughs> kind of clever, isn't it? So which one would you rather have? Someone said, I don't want to go across the desert. But if you're going to cross the desert, which one do you want, a shadow or a camel? You want the real thing. That's the point that Jesus is when, he, when Paul talks about all these people are coming and saying, 
Well, you got to fall back in and you got to keep this, this law and you got to go and attend this attendance and you got to be church on, on the Sabbath and, and all these kind of things. And Apostle Paul goes, no, uh-uh. And he gives a command. There's two commands in this passage, one in, in this first verse. He said, let no one pass judgment on you. And the idea is that of a judge. So our first principle that we're going to draw from this is stop letting another person act as a judge over how you live your spiritual life. Because the rules that they use are nothing compared to a relationship with Christ himself. Okay? Want me to repeat that? Okay. Stop letting another person act as a judge over how you live your spiritual life because the rules that they use are nothing compared to a relationship with Christ himself. Think about a judge for a moment. And the word here is the same word that we would use for a judge and to make judgments as a judge. A judge doesn't make the law. A judge just enforces them. And if, if he does a good job, he's making decisions about whether a person broke a law or didn't break the law and then passes judgment on them. That's different from discernment. Discernment is what you use when you go to the grocery store. When you go to a grocery store and you pick up a banana and you go, wow, this one's really green. I like crunchy bananas. You've used discernment. Or you may say, Ooh, that's green and it's too crunchy for me. I want something that's a little more ripe than that. You're making discernment calls. You're making, you're looking and evaluating and, and deciding something based on that. Judgment has with it condemnation. Condemnation. Judge doesn't make the laws, he just enforces them. Okay? And the force of the command in this passage is Apostle Paul is turning to the church there at Colossae. And remember, he's speaking to believers now. And he's speaking to believers and he says, Stop this. Don't let anybody sit as a judge in your life. Now, can a person use discernment and look at you and go, boy, that might not be a wisest thing that you do, but they're not judge over you. I'm going to draw three sub-points under this. And to this point, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 14. So let's back up in scripture to Romans chapter 14.
And in Romans chapter 14, there is this whole passage about what some have said, doubtful things. What do you do with a particular situation? Is it okay to do or is it not okay to do? The situation they were faced with in the Roman world had to do primarily with meat offered to idols. And we've talked about this in previous times. We've talked about when we went through Romans. The idea is this. There were some believers who, when they came out of the Roman world, were used to offering sacrifices to idols and false gods. And now that they were believers, they didn't want anything to do with those false gods, those false idols, including the sacrifices that were made to them. And you say, well, that should be no concern because if they weren't sacrificing, how would that even be a problem because it's all done in the temple? The point was, what was offered to the idols was often more than what they could use in the sacrifice. And then these temples would turn around and sell the meat in the market. And so you had really choice meat at a discount price because the priests of these false religions could sell it cheaply because how, how much did it cost them to get it? Nothing was offered to them. So they could turn around in the marketplace and undercut the other salespeople in the marketplace and offer the choicest meat at the lowest price. Sounds like a good deal, right? Except those that were believers and had come out of that, they go, no, that meat is tainted. It's been offered to idols and I want to keep my life pure. I want anything to do with meat offered to idols. Paul spends some time here in Romans 14 and also in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 talking about this. And basically Paul's conclusion is that all these games, all these things came from God and they're good. And we know that false gods and false idols are just that. They're false. They're not really real. And so there would be some believers who would go, hey, choice meat, discount price, I'm in. <laughs> I want that. Let's have a barbecue. And there would be other believers that go, ah, horrors. We can't do that. And so the two groups, even though they were both believers, would look at each other and go, you're going to do that? And they would both use about the same language. You're going to do that? And the point that Paul makes to the church at Colossae is stop letting anybody judge you for what you're doing and how you live your life. He gives three points here, and he uses the word judge in all three passages. He 
First one is found in verse 3 of chapter 14 of Romans. He says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. And so one group was looking and going, that's not very holy living. And the other group would look at the other one and go, that's not holy living. Apostle Paul says to the church at Rome, to the believers there, do you know what? God has welcomed you both. And the picture there is very reminiscent of the one in the book of Luke when the prodigal comes home and he's welcomed back into the family and, and the father runs out and puts his arms around and hugs him and even though he smells like pig slop and says, get the best clothes and put it on and give him a ring and, and let's have a feast. And the first point in, in 14.3 is this. Believers are included, not excluded, by our Lord. See, what was happening is there was judges in, in Colossae who were saying, huh, and they would go, you're just, you're no kind of really spiritual person because you don't do this or you do that. And they were acting as judges over the believers. And, and Paul goes, stop it. Stop letting anyone be a judge over you. Why? The first point is because it was God who accepted you. Don't look to these other people. Who invited you into his family? It's God did. He's the one that welcomed you. Did he know what kinds of person you were? Yes. Did he know what kind of proclivities you would have? Yes. Did he know about the sin in your life? Yes. And he welcomed you in. So stop letting someone else judge you when God has accepted you. The second time the word judge is used is down in verse 10. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? He says, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And here's the point. We are talking about judgment. Who is doing the judging? These false teachers. We're judging, you're not very spiritual. And Paul comes along here in chapter 14 of Romans and he goes, let's all remember who does the judging. It's God who does the judging. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We don't answer to a person who says, ah. We answer to the Lord who's the one who's going to make the evaluation." on who we are. Later on in this passage, 
He says, isn't it interesting that the motivation between two, the, both the groups in the book of Romans 14 was this one was doing it, saying, oh, God has made all these things lawful. I can participate. And I just thank you, Lord, for this, this wonderful meat. And this other group that goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep myself pure. And Lord, I'm doing it to please you. It says the motivation of the heart is the same. And who do they answer to for their actions? He says the answer is the Lord. They don't answer to these false teachers who are making judgment calls on them. The third point is found in verse 13. He says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Stop it. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a, of a brother. Instead of judging, are you building up? Believers are to stop focusing on appearances as to what somebody may or may not be doing and focus on honoring the Lord. Let me suggest that the false teachers whose motivation uh, we don't know, but what they were doing was wrong, were not turning everybody's attention to Jesus Christ. In fact, the false teachers in the book, in the book of Colossians, Paul wrote to the church there, says, no, turn your eyes away from Jesus. Turn your eyes to higher revelation. Turn your eyes to, to this. Don't focus on Jesus. Apostle Paul here in Romans 14 says, let's stop judging one another and rather let's take stumbling blocks out of the pathway of fellow believers. Our purpose is to help them to grow in Christ. That's the purpose. So I titled the message Shadow or Substance. And that's why the picture on the front of the bulletin. Do you look at the shadow, which looks like camels? Or do you look at the substance, which are the little white dots at the feet of those shadows, which are really the camels that are casting the shadow? Shadow is an outward appearance. The substance is a reality of life in Christ. So let's go back to our passage in Colossae for a moment. In Colossians chapter 2, there we come to the second point. He says, stop letting anyone pass judgment on you. And now in verse 18, he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels and going on in detail about visions puffed up about 
without reason by sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So we come to the second point. Second point is stop let, letting anyone umpire your spiritual life. And that's the word that's used there. The idea is someone who is going to make judgment calls about how you're doing in your life. Before it was a judge, now it's more like an umpire. So let's use a picture of baseball. The umpire is standing behind the plate, behind the catcher. The pitcher winds up, throws the pitch. Now the umpire is supposed to call balls or strikes if, if uh, the batter doesn't hit the ball and the way it goes. If it just comes all the way to the catcher's mitt, it's supposed to call balls and strikes. It's supposed to be over the plate and between the knees and about the shoulder height, that's the box that the ball is supposed to go through in order to be called a strike. Anything outside that would be a ball. So the batter is standing there. The pitch comes and he holds back. He doesn't swing. And what does he do? He hears an umpire say, strike. And he looks back and he goes, are you kidding me? Not too vociferously because you don't want to get cast out of the game. But what's happened now? The player says, I don't think that was a strike. I think that was a ball. But the umpire now behind him is saying, no, that was a strike. And he makes a judgment call on that. Apostle Paul says, stop letting people umpire your life. I want to give you an illustration that came out of baseball. Some of you will know this name. Some of you may not because you don't pay attention to much to baseball. But there was a, a player, and he was pretty good. His name was Pete Rose. Pete Rose created wonderful records in baseball. Lots of hits. Just a good player. Good player. But he's been out of baseball for a while, quite a while now. And by all rights, based on his playing ability, he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But he's not. Why? Because he made some decisions off the field about gambling. That when they discovered them and found them out, they banned him from the Hall of Fame. Because they said, it's more important integrity in your heart than what you did on the field. 
And the problem is, an umpire can only judge some of your actions by their criteria, and they don't know your heart. Apostle Paul said, don't let anybody umpire you. Why? Because that isn't the essence of the spiritual life, how you perform. There's something much more important than that. And that's who you are before Christ. Believer's spiritual life comes from Christ. And you go, well, duh. Of course, spiritual life comes from Christ. But if you put that in application to this principle, you go, does spiritual life come from the judge? And the answer is no. So anybody who sits in judgment over you, can they really give you spiritual life? And the answer, of course not, they can't. They're only making judgment calls on your spiritual life, but the one who gives life is Jesus Christ. The source of life is Christ, not others. The second point, believers then are not, are, are pulled together by the Lord, not separated. See, what the false teachers were doing was they were saying, come over here, be part of my group, be separate from that group over there. Over here, we have the super spiritual ones. Over there, they may be calling themselves Christians and they may be, you know, part of this fellowship, but they really don't get it. It's us in our inner group that we are the really spiritual. But what Apostle Paul says here, he says, there are all concerns about visions and angels and being puffed about reason with his, his sensual mind and not holding fast to the head within the whole body nourished and knit together through his joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. He says, do you see what God is about? Not only does he welcome you into the family of God, but he's the one that took all these interesting characters and melded them into one spiritual body with all their perceptions, all their backgrounds. And what is he doing? He's knitting them together into one body. And Jesus Christ is the head. The believers are pulled together by our Lord. They're not separated like what the false teachers were doing. The last couple of verses in this passage, he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you still, why, if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations. And basically, the last one, it says, stop submitting to all these rules that are being given to you by these false teachers. 
Now, was there anything wrong with some of these rules? Not necessarily. I mean, the feast and, and the worship and the guidance about how to live a holy life from the Old Testament were all given by God and there are good standards. He says, but they will never get you into a right relationship with God. Apostle Paul talks in Galatians, he says, what the laws were given for is to show you that you couldn't do it. So that you would have to fall upon the mercy and grace of God in order to be saved and changed. So our spiritual life comes from Christ, not from keeping these rules and regulations. And Christ's desire for you is that we would be pulled together as diverse as we are, that we would be pulled together, not segmented into this group is more spiritual than another. Stop submitting to all these rules because why? Believers died to their authority when they died with Christ. It's interesting because earlier in the passage, he was talking about circumcision and baptism. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. And the word that he used here is he says, if you died to the elemental spirits of of the world with Christ, why do you still, as still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? In other words, he says this. Remember when we were talking about baptism and we were dead in trespasses and sin? When we were buried with Christ in baptism and then we were raised to newness of life and we were saying, when we are raised to newness of life, we have a power and ability to live the spiritual life we never had by just keeping the rules and regulations. We couldn't do it. We had to be given new life by Christ. The intriguing word that Paul uses here, he says, you died to Christ, is the idea, are you ready for this? You were drowned with Christ. <laughs> when you died... You drowned to Christ, with Christ. So believers died to the authority of these rules and regulations in their life to govern their life because they are united now with Christ. And we come to the last point. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, and severity of the body. He says, I'll tell you what, all these rules and regulations, they look spiritual. They look like, ooh, that person is dedicated. That person, oh boy, he, he really, really is spiritual. And he goes, oh, these all pass with the using. And he says, and they are of no value 
in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so we come to point B under point three. Believers discover that these rules, regulations, and these all these things that were being laid on them are powerless to give us victory over the flesh. That comes in reliance to Christ. It didn't come through keeping all these rules and regulations. How many have started a program reading through the Bible in a year or whatever? And you started on the program and you got going and for two days in a row you were doing great. <laughs> and then maybe you missed a day and you go, oh man, that was bad. And so on the fourth day, you, you read three and four, and you get caught up, and you go, I'm back on track now. And you go, maybe the next whole week or two, and you're reading every day, and you go, this is so good. This is what I should be doing. And then about week three comes along, and you miss a day. And you get busy, and you miss another day or two. And you go, oh, man. Misery. Misery. I should be reading. And even the idea of saying, I've got to read this every day, doesn't give us victory, does it? What if you went to God's word and say, I'm going to go and desire the full meat of the word. I want sustenance that I draw from God's word. It's not a matter of reading the scripture today because I've got to read the scripture today. But I'm going to the word because I want to hear what God has to say to me. And the reason I'm feeling bad is not because I missed a day but I missed hearing from God. Do I have to go back and make up? No, because by the time we finally get caught up with the idea, we may be several months behind. And you go, man, I'm going to have to end up reading half the Old Testament just in order to get caught up here. Or we can just say, well, I missed out on my communion with my Lord and hearing from him. I'm not going to miss today because I want to hear from him. Which one is better for us? Keeping the regiment of everyday scripture or going and saying, I want to hear from my Lord. Now, I'm not saying those two can't be combined. You could have a regular reading program. That's fine. But the daily reading program is a means to an end, which is a relationship with Christ and hearing from him. Believers discover that these rules are powerless to give us victory over the flesh. What we need to do is come and be dependent again. So Paul shoots these warnings to the church at Colossae. And he says, stop letting people pass judgment on you. 
Stop letting people look over your shoulder and umpire your life and stop submitting to all these rules and regulations because they're ineffective in growing your spiritual life by keeping those rules alone. Take a step back for a moment and think about some of these false teachers. These false teachers who are giving these instructions about how they saw the day and whether you were you were uh, involved in asceticism and whether you were involved in keeping all these worship of angels and questions of food and festivals and Sabbaths and all this stuff. And the question I have is, there is no joy in Mudville there. There is no joy in their relationship with God. Why? Because the avenue to joy was through Jesus Christ and they had turned their back on Jesus Christ. And Paul says, so don't listen to them. Don't let them judge your life. Don't let them umpire you and sort of call you foul or in, you know, strikes and on you. Don't let them do that. God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you and to build you up and encourage you in your walk with Christ. And ultimately, we're going to answer to him. We're not going to answer to them. Paul has some profound things to say to the church at, at Colossae. And I believe to us as well. Heavenly Father, we've been talking about believers in the midst of people who claim to be believers but were leading people astray. Heavenly Father, let us stop listening to those that would take us away from Christ. Let us not be uh, impacted negatively by what they say concerning our spirituality, they don't know the nature of our relationship, one, one of us with you. But Heavenly Father, we ask that we might walk in humbleness and thankfulness before you and desire to grow and to build up fellow believers so that they would be passionate about the things that you're passionate about. And that we would all stand before you and hear, well done, good and faithful servants. This we pray in Jesus' name.